Hello, and welcome to Unsheet with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hiring for us. <laughs> Welcome to Unsheet episode 89. Um, which I hope is the right number. Yeah. Because <laughs> we made the dumb piano joke at the beginning of Did episode we? 88. And yeah. by we, you mean you. By me, I mean me, yes. <laughs> which nobody's heard. Which nobody's heard yet, but... Well, except for him. Um, we, are, uh, we are so delighted and happy to be back here at Rainforest, the site of our first live podcast, and look how many more people have shown up this time. Yeah. That makes you guys our favorite. Yes. <laughs> Um, also, I get more free wine here than at any other podcast I could. <laughs> and uh, so, for those listening at home, I am Kyle Gold, drinking Coke out of a wine glass. <laughs> All right, let me put in my bucket of wine. I am Kim Hirosaki. Hello. <laughs> for those um, of you who are, who are listening to this after the fact at home, I, the audience will back up that I am drinking wine from a bucket. Yes. <laughs> I will also confirm it, and by now you've probably seen the pictures. Yeah. Also, uh, just real quick, this uh, wine is a Pinot Noir from Oyster Bay from New Zealand. This was given to me by Running Cat, who's up here in the audience, so thank you. Hooray. Over here to my right, taking photography of our uh, podcast is Kit, our um, tech-savvy wolf. He makes the show happen. He used to be a tech-savvy at-risk wolf, but we dropped that. Because he's not really at risk anymore. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know either. Hello, bucket um. of wine. <laughs> <laughs> this is so entertaining to drink from. I'm never going to drink wine. And entertaining to watch too. Um, so, wow. Um, there again, you know, there's so much going on on a Saturday night of a convention. There is a dance down the hall. Um, there are parties going on all over, and we are so glad that you guys have chosen to waste an hour and a half with us. I mean, spend a wonderful hour and a half with us, and uh, we hope that you brought a lot of questions about writing. Uh, we are going to talk about our convention so far, mm-hmm. and then we're going to ask uh, some questions from you guys and do our best to answer them. And so, how has your convention been so far, KM? Uh, my convention has been great. I got in on Thursday, and it's been uh, a lot of fun pretty much since moment one. It's been weird getting used to the new hotel, which I have to confess, after three days, I'm still no better at navigating than when I first got here. But uh. it, it is a confusing maze of a hotel, and I think that's why the, uh, the rat furries are much better at finding their way around. Oh, God. Like, I, was, I was trying to find my own room with, uh, with Wu Wei one day, and like, we literally had to take three elevators before I found one that got me to the right floor. Uh, it was it's very funny because there, it's another one of the hotels like um, FWA that has two towers. So the rooms are numbered with like tower number and then floor number and then room. So you know if your room number is like fourteen oh one, we had people wandering around going, none of the elevators go to the fourteenth floor. <laughs> <laughs> the people here are laughing because they know, but it's you know actually tower one fourth floor. So yeah, yeah it's uh, and then not all the 
the two buildings aren't connected except through the lobby, yeah. and then the convention center is not connected to either of the towers. So. Also, not everyone knows or has noticed that there are actually two courtyards in the hotel. So people are like, oh yeah, just like turn at the courtyard, and it's right. like ah, <laughs> it's like this weird Mobius strip from hell. It's, <laughs> it is, but the uh, the the hotel has actually been great. Oh. Um, the staff has all been really good, and we hear good things from the Rainforest staff about working with them. So we're we're very happy to be here, and actually. Um, we were just saying, I love the convention center space and how they've how they've used it and uh, and set it up. I mean, all the all the panels and the dealers room and everything are right here. The dealers room is great; it's huge, and uh, uh, I think just overall, it's uh, it's pretty cool. And the you know the Marriott where the con was last year is just up the hill, so you can still go up there and laugh at them and then come back. <laughs> I need to know. go up and get my Rain City punch again. Yeah, I need my salmon fix. We went we went up there for dinner just to see if they missed us. No. I don't think they did. I don't think they did, no. <laughs> well, nerds. Yeah, well, who cares about them anyway? Um, we have yeah. a new hotel. We moved on. Um, yeah, and we're a, this is this We're has a been strong, like, independent convention. We don't need you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we will survive. Um, yeah, it's been a... It, been a really good convention as always rainforest has one of the best writing tracks of uh any convention that i've been to um they push the um the writing aspect of the fandom really hard it's weird because this table we're on is yeah. slanted downwards towards us yeah. but at a really slight angle so you don't notice it until you put a glass on and you're kind of like why is it coming towards me still <laughs> yes it's, it's the table's fault not the bucket of wine's fault right because i'm seeing the same thing yeah. and i've only had a wine glass of coke yeah so, so which wow, lightweight. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I got I got two more cans to get through before the end of this podcast. So you know we'll we'll see how that goes. But the the writing track has been uh, really awesome here. Um, we had uh, they have they have Alan Dean Foster as the guest of honor. Yeah, he's been really cool too. Who has been really really cool. Um, both KM and I have been on panels with him and. He's just been so polite, and he's been, you know, doing this for longer than both of us have been alive, pretty much. Not combined, but longer than either of us have been alive. I actually, I actually brought him a book that was physically older than me, and uh, for, for the people who listen to the podcast and like to time their stopwatches to how long does it take for me to mention Star Wars, I got him to sign my first edition paperback printing of Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I was very excited. <laughs> And how did Marvin's, he react to that? Hmm? How did he react to that? Uh, I don't know because before he could say anything, too, who was right behind me, like whistled. He's like, "Ooh, splinter of the mind's eye," and I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> and he just kind of smiled and signed it, and gave it back to me. Yeah, he he's been he's been a lot of fun, and just you know, it's really it's really nice to see someone whose work you've admired for so long. Um, like I said, we we were we were reading his books twenty years ago, and now we're sitting beside him, giving advice with him on panels. And you know, he is very respectful, and he's always just you know, why don't you say something? Yeah. Now? What do you think? And I'm like, I think what you think, Ellen Dean Foster. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, but but eventually you formed your own opinion. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, so that's been that's been really cool. That's been one of the highlights. But um, also, I've just really enjoyed getting to sit down and you know talk to all the old friends that we know from past years and new friends. And 
you know, I got to do a reading of a book that's coming out in March, which was, uh, I think, well-received. Nobody got up and stormed out of the room after I read it, so I take that as a good sign. And I have a reading of my book I'm doing tomorrow at 1 p.m. in one of the rooms. I don't remember. It's either San Juan or Emerald Emerald F. Emerald F, yeah. If anyone happens to know, I can tell you. San Juan. San Juan, okay. (laughs) Good, it's the small room, which is good. We don't need a big room for that. So... So what else? Oh wow, what else? Uh, uh, we had we had a book launch party tonight. Yes, um, we did. It was yes. <laughs> well, well, that that's we're leading up to that. Kit is impatient. Impatient. Wolf is impatient. He just wants um, you to be a pretty fox. <laughs> Does, <laughs> um. We had a book launch party. Uh, I had a book coming out at uh, at this convention because they told me last year, um, if you release a book at the convention, we'll throw a book launch party for you. And, so, I, and I told Kyle, write more books about weasels. And, and, he, and did. he did. So I wrote a book about a pine martin, which came out at this convention called Science Friction. It is a kind of gay sex farce, uh, which is a genre that I admit I had not had a lot of experience in reading or seeing on screen, but I thought it would be fun to try because I do like kind of the screwball comedies and this was just a a fun little experiment and people seemed to enjoy it when I ran it past my usual suspects. And I... I certainly enjoyed it. I, <laughs> I, I, I already told you all my fanfic pairings I have in mind for that one, so... Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I'm willing to bet that the bonus story I included after the main story was not one of your fanfic pairings. It was half of it. Um, anyway that was uh so that's been a lot of fun and then uh we come here to do this show which is often the highlight of our convention at least the last two years it has been yeah definitely and um we get gifts of wine which i think you've already described the wine Uh uh-huh you mentioned that um we also have very good these lovely hats from do you want to be introduced as furry omnibus Fur, from Furry Omnibus, who has uh, so they're um, I don't know quite how to describe them. Uh, it, it's like if, imagine if you scalped a fursuit and like <laughs> put it on your head of, of a fox and then of an otter. Yeah, and uh, they they fit over our regular hats in some kind of style. Oh, so I'm the Lord and Master of all evil, and you're just the mini boss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the bucket comes up, the wine goes down, and the wine gets passed over to Kit. I'm narrating for the people following along at home. Um, so that was very cool. Um, we should we should mention too. We are sad that our um, what is he? Snow leopard, Savian. Oh yeah, who the past couple years has attended our podcasts and uh, drawn during the yes. podcast live art is not able to make it this year. Aww, you did yes. it very well, thank you. We're all very sad. We will have him listen to this and, and that. But um, the the talented furry omnibus has taken it upon himself to draw badges for um, Kit, myself, and KM. Yep. Um, sorry. Uh, Madara, M-A-D-A-R-A-O. Is that an F-A account? Yes. Okay. (laughs) But there will be, right? Yes. Okay. 
Surprise, um, on mine, I'm drinking wine. And on mine, I'm enjoying the hell out of some Coke Zero. And Kit is as excited as a little pup over snowfall, which is actually very true. He does get that excited because um, we live in the Bay Area. So if we see snow, it's either because we're traveling somewhere cool or <laughs> the, the apocalypse, apocalypse has happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kit, do you have anything to add about your rainforest so far? It's awesome. It's awesome. Okay. Yes. Well said. Um, anything else we want to say before we start uh, dragging people up to ask questions? Um, hmm. No, I mean, we usually seem to have a, a lot of good discussion from the people here. They tend to... Uh, oh, are we, do we save the, the roll call for the end or no? Uh, which roll call? About people who have been here before? Or? Um... We could, yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, we we have a microphone up here. So, if you want to ask, we, we'll just shout we have it a, out. We have a we have a guest mic and a an audience microphone panther. So, if you have a question, raise your hand, and the panther will come around and. Well, the panther will uh, come up to this area, and you will come out and join him and ask your question that way. Um, so. Any any questions about writing stuff that you did not get to ask in previous panels? Um, we had a we've had a bunch. Oh, of Oh, hi! How was your sex life? Is not a valid question. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, and who had ten minutes on the room reference? Wow, nobody. Uh, it's not the Camp Farrell crowd anymore. I know. I can't right. just make an entire room. Cra- oh, never wolf's over there. <laughs> He got it. The one, the one wolf howling in the distance. Oh, hi, um, Neverwolf. I didn't see you there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> yeah, okay, there we go. Yay. Yay. I was like, we're, we're going to keep doing room <laughs> references until someone asks a question. So, <laughs> so someone raise a hand. We had one. All right. Oh, there we are. Come on, come on up and, and meet the panther. So in one of the earlier panels, I heard you talk about figuring out which scenes to cut out of a story. And recently I had a story that I slowly discovered was kind of crap, but there was a scene in it that I really liked. And so I'm just taking that and ditching the rest for a new story. I was just wondering if that had ever happened to you or if you had any thoughts about that sort of thing happening. <laughs> you're, you're doing it You sure that's the end of the question? <laughs> I, I could keep talking if you like. Okay, just, I, I was just checking because it, it sort of felt like you, you just sort of. Oh to, okay. yeah, just we need a topic, right? Okay. <laughs> All right. Do you want to start with that one? Um, so actually, this is an interesting question because for me, very often, I will start my stories with an idea for a scene that'll be sort of the genesis of the idea, and so I just kind of basically create the rest of the story around that. So, I mean, if you can strip away everything that you've built up around this scene and sort of say, okay, here's a scene I really like, what kind of story would that fit? I definitely think that's possible uh, just from, you know, the way that at least my own brain works. I think that that shouldn't be uh, too much of a stretch. I mean, at that point, just try to, like, try to analyze it backwards, be like, okay, who are these people? How did they get into the situation? And why is it suddenly important? And I should have turned that off. Um, (laughs) Oh, I'm getting scolded by the wolf. Shame. Aww. 
Is that my turn now? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Um, I, I don't know that I've extracted a scene from a story that I otherwise threw away, but I will say um, sort of topically in relation to the book that came out this weekend, um, I posted online, it started with this scene, and it was the, you know, graduate student lab assistant having sex with the professor in a closet off the lab, and I just thought, this is kind of a neat voice, because it was in his first person voice, and it was a fun setup to the scene, and I had written down like the first three paragraphs, and it sat there for about six months, and I had no idea what to do with it. And then I'd finished... um, I'd finished a draft of a novel and was kind of like, okay, I need to work on something else now. Um, what are all my files with beginnings of things I haven't finished? And I pulled that one up and just kind of read through it and then thought, okay, well, what happens next? And just started writing from it, and that became this story. It ended up being 20-some thousand words, so um, that's, that's been my experience with it. We have, we have another question coming up. Making his way to the microphone. Hello, Cade Named Podcasters. Uh, this is Reachin, and uh, on many times you have mentioned how people need to write every day and to get that rhythm going. But what happens for the people who have jobs that crush their souls, and when they get home, they are empty? Or those people who have creative jobs, so that by the time they get home, their creative juices have been spent? Um, do you have suggestions for people like that, how they can get their writing when they get home and they've got nothing left to give. Well, if your creative uses have been spent, then obviously you need to wait for a certain refractory period before trying to be creative again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, Kit took my wine I think, away. I think <laughs> you still have half a I, bucket. I know, um, but I need it all now. I think. I think that. Um, I think that in those cases. If especially, I would say, especially in the case of a job that crushes your spirit, I think it's even more important for you to write, um, to be a little bit serious, to remember that you have a spirit and that you don't let the job beat you, um, and hopefully not literally. But um, it is it is something that we say a lot, and we hear a lot of people come in and say, well, I don't have time to write, I don't have time to write. And the response is, you never have time to write. You have to make time to write. And if you are going to be a writer, then that every day of writing is critical. Um, One of my uh, teachers has said, you can set the goal as small as something like 250 words a day. And that's three paragraphs. You can do that in half an hour. And if you just set that as your goal, then when you reach it, you can reward yourself and you can say I met my goal for today and it keeps it at least keeps you in that mindset of writing and often you'll find you'll go past the 250 words and you'll do 500 or 1000 and you know again those are just it's just a, a place to start um You've got me thinking of a like a reward scale now, where it's like if I drink two, if I write two hundred and fifty words, I can have a glass of wine. But if I hit five hundred words, I can drink a bucket of wine. Yeah. <laughs> um, you laugh, but no. you the one who sent around that article about like the scale of rewards. Um, uh, somebody, I, maybe it wasn't you, but somebody was saying what he does for his daily writing is um, because 
uh, randomized rewards, like inconsistent rewards, work better than predictable ones. Um, he has like a little randomizer, and he'll say, okay, when I reach my word count for the day, I press the little button, and then it tells me what reward I get. And most of the time, it's kind of just a small thing like, you know, you can have a candy bar. But sometimes it's a big thing like, you know, you can go to a movie tonight, or, you know, you get to, I don't know what, what's a bigger reward? You get to have a bucket of wine, you know. <laughs> Booty call. Yeah. <laughs> That, that's that's for when you finish a book. <laughs> I mean, actually, for what, for when I finish books, my uh, my reward that I set for myself when I know that I'm getting close to the end is I get a uh, a nice bottle of uh, single malt scotch ready, and then when I'm done, I sort of turn my computer off, pour myself a scotch, and just sit there and savor the moment. Yeah. Well, there's actually I was kind of thinking about this because the process of writing a book is kind of weird, and I'm getting a little bit away from from that but it's a little weird because you're writing the first draft and then you get to the end of the first draft but it's not done because you have to go back through and edit and then it's still not done because you have to give it to your readers and then your readers give you feedback and that's the first time someone else has seen the book and then it's still not done because you have to incorporate their feedback and then you have to send it to the publisher so i think kind of the two points that i feel are real milestones in finishing a book are finishing the first draft because that's the first time the story's been set down in its first complete form, and the time when it gets sent to the publisher, because that's the time when the you know bird has left the nest, the cub has left the den, whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, I don't have control over it anymore. It's done. It's finished. It's set. It's out. Um, but to get back to your your question, um, we get that a lot. You have to write every day. You have to get up, set your alarm half an hour earlier, and write for half an hour in the morning. Um, give up one of your, you know, evening TV show rituals and write for half an hour in the evening. Um, yeah, and if you can't write every day, it's at least important that you write regularly. You know, strive for every day. But you know, if if you have a schedule, like you know, if you're married and have eight kids and just can't do it you know maybe it's just all right monday and wednesday night are going to be your writing nights and you just need to make sure that you don't plan over those like oh well i don't have anything going on those nights it's just writing that i can go and do something else instead like no like make sure that you have your your you time and it really helps to have um some kind of partner whether it's a writing partner or a life partner um who is committed to helping you reach those goals because if you have someone else dependent on you then you're much less likely to let them down than if it's just you dependent on yourself. Um, part of the reason that uh, I kind of – Cam and I differ a little bit on this. I kind of lean more towards the every day, every day, every day just because if you're only doing it a couple days a week, it's very easy to fall out of the habit of it. And oh, no, it is. I if disagree. You, no, no, no. I, but I know what you're saying. But if you're just doing like Monday, Wednesday, for instance – then there's that whole stretch from Wednesday to Monday where you might not think about right and you might not think about your story at all, and then you have to get back into the mindset. And the other thing that writing, even if you just write a little bit every day, the words, they can be crappy words that you're writing every day, but you are thinking about the stuff that you're writing. Your brain is turning on those gears, and that makes it that much easier. The next day when you pick up your document and you open it up to start putting some more words down and the more you think about it the more you process it in your head the better your writing is going to get yes that was my rant no yeah i agree and i apologize but circle gets the square this this box head is getting kind of warm over my other hat it is actually i'm going to have to uh 
I'll put it back on. I'll, I'll put it up. And I'll put it here. Uh, also, so for people who uh, people who had mentioned before we started rolling that the the green poker visor has sort of become my symbol that people recognize me by. Uh, my old one died. Uh, it died in a horrible accident, and so I had to get a new one. And this new one's a little bit too small, and if I wear it for like more than an hour at a time, I start to get a really bad headache. So I take it off for a few minutes. So my, I'm sure the bucket my, of wine has nothing to do with the headache. No, because I wear this out uh, other places sometimes. Leave <laughs> me alone. You're mean. <laughs> I don't need you. Um, <laughs> if you're going to use the I don't need you line, then you need a thermos, not a bucket. <laughs> you're tearing me apart, Kyle. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> I'll never stop. Uh No, no, that's the room. Sorry. No, that's he's holding me back. Sorry. Oh, really? He's jealous. <laughs> Please, someone have an. I will question. learn to be able to stop people from dying. Someone, Sorry. Stand up. Yes, come forward. Okay, we have one person here, and then. Please make me talk about something else. No. Okay. No. Um. Hi, this is Earth Digger. I've hi, got Earth another Digger. question this year. We remember you from many rainforests. <laughs> um. So it's been mentioned in many panels that it's helpful to have a writing group to do peer edits and other such encouragement, but is there any advice for finding a group of writers or starting a group of your own? That's what I'm wondering. Well, again, um, if, you know, if there is not a group that is local to you or that you are a part of, uh, I would certainly suggest you know, if, that you do start one because... Uh, you know they are extremely extremely valuable to have uh you know just the ability to have other people to uh bounce other you know bounce you know ideas to bounce off of other people is just such you know uh it has such a huge impact on um just developing the support structure and getting you know knowing that you have a reliable source of feedback and you're not just sort of writing you know into like the ether also, having other people who are counting on you to send them things that they can read sort of keeps you honest and makes sure that you stay productive so that you don't just go you know, weeks and months without producing anything. Um, so quick question by a show of hands. Uh, how many people in the audience are writers who do not currently have a writing group but would like to be part of one? You don't need to be shy. Well, um, we, had a, we had a bunch of hands up. So... This is a good place to start. Um, I, we we recommend having a local group because meeting face to face it's a lot easier and more effective to deliver critiques. But it's also um, you know online works too. And the thing is with the online you have to be a little more disciplined. You've got to make sure because you know have regular meetings over some chat programs there's uh you know the new google plus has huddle that you can use um you can do conference calls on skype you can get together but you know set regular times and make sure that you get together and that everybody is really committed to it and responsible and keep each other honest but you know conventions are a good place to start go to panels go to workshops at conventions and just say you know hey would anybody be interested in being in an online writing critique group yeah. um, it's really not as much work as it sounds um just as an example our group is you know we meet every other week 
and typically only one person in our group of is there like six or seven of us yeah typically only one person at a time actually has an active story out that we're workshopping so it's not like oh god i have to write something for this group constantly it's like no as long as you're willing to read other people's works with the understanding that when it's time for you to write they will you know be reading yours in turn you know it it it's a good way to sort of share the work and, and it makes it more fun than just writing by yourself um so with with your permission <laughs> i would say if folks are interested if anybody here is interested in being part of an online writing critique group um come over here to earth digger after the podcast and just chat about it and see if your schedules align and if your goals kind of align and um you know maybe get something started you can't miss him he's the guy in the moogle hat yeah <laughs> um one other resource that has been uh, presented to us, the, there's the Furry Writers Guild online. It is, um, intuitively enough, furrywritersguild.com. That's writers with an S. Um, what? It's not just for published authors. Well, well, but they do have resources on the website that will you know, give you um, the different <laughs> sites and... Sorry. Forums oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, the 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 criteria the criteria for admission to the guild um, at least one short story poem or novel length work featuring anthropomorphic characters themes published in a paying venue or at least two short stories poems or novel length worth works featuring anthropomorphic characters published in a non paying venue. So if you have two stories published in convention con books, that qualifies you to join the Furry Writers Guild. And just send them an email. Um, it's actually furwritersguild at gmail.com. And they have, um, they have forums. They've got – they have meets. I think there's a meet – there was a meet earlier today or is it tomorrow? It's tomorrow. There's a, tomorrow, there's a meet tomorrow. I think it's at um, noon. They meet at conventions and, you know, they're a good resource for people, for authors to get together and uh, connect with each other. Yeah. And as so. somebody in the, in the audience mentioned, they do have forums that, you know, you can visit the forums and, you know, find people without being a member of the guild. So right. that is a possible resource for you. So hope that helps. And now we had yes. the gentleman in the tasteful hat. Yes, <laughs> in the tasteful fedora with the, with the jaunty accent that was so familiar to us just a few scant weeks ago. Oh, but Hi. His, his, um, is like a, his is like a sort of central western Canadian accent, not an eastern Canadian accent. Well, the world does revolve around Toronto. <laughs> yes. All right. I'm Roland from the Ever Intermittent Unfurled with my compatriot voice. Um, I didn't so much have a question, more of a comment on the uh, question uh, previous uh, regarding uh, soul-crushing jobs, um, no time writing, and all that. Um, I've come from one of the most soul-crushing jobs there is known to man, technical support in a call center. Um, so wow, I know a thing or two about soul-crushing jobs. You really hit the nail right on the head with that one. Yeah. Um, I Would became, you like a bucket? <laughs> <laughs> if I could have drank from buckets at work, oh, God, would I? Um, but I sort of came upon a bit of a revelation. You know, I've given up my car, started taking public transit, and I have the handiest little netbook that I just write on to and from work. It's only 500 words a day, but, I mean, it's one of the best things to do every day. And what also really helps is moving in with your writing muse uh, voice. So really just move in with someone that, well, move in or get to know hang out, whatever, with anyone that really supports uh, your writing muse. Um, bounce ideas, um, critique each other, uh, rip on 
stories that you might not necessarily enjoy. Um, but, I mean, it's a lot of fun and really just does help you get writing. We, we never do that in our writing group. Right. Oh, speak of the right. devil. Right. What? <laughs> <laughs> see, see, um, that was actually, that was about as perfectly timed as we could have We, we could have done that if for. we tried. I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so briefly, briefly to recap, um, when Roland said, um, spend time with your writing muse and, you know, bounce ideas off each other and even rip on stories that you both might dislike. And I said, we never do that in our writing group just as <laughs> Tube walked in the door. <laughs> He's right there in the back. Stare at him, everyone. <laughs> he says hello. Um, yeah, and the, I think the the definitely writing on the way to and from work is a great um, uh, a great piece of advice. Uh, also, write during lunch breaks. Um, I know Cam used to do that. Oh yeah, and write during um, if you if you're a job that allows you to take a smoke break, fifteen minutes here, fifteen minutes there. That's still you know that's still some writing time, and uh, you can find get find that productivity wherever you can. Anything to add to that? Yeah, um, just to build off of the example you said there about, oh, I used to write on my lunch breaks. Hmm. Uh, I would do that as much as possible, but in the office environment that I was in, very often certain days of the week, you know, just at random, people in the office are like, oh, hey, we're going to, like, go and do sort of like a team lunch. And, like, it's kind of impolitic to just sort of, you know, run off and not be a team player at that point. So I was like, okay, I'll have lunch with my my coworkers and at that point it's like okay now i know in advance i need to schedule other writing time for later today you know either during you know a coffee break around three or after work but again that just sort of built into the whole you know make sure that you know your time is budgeted somehow and if something else you know takes over for it reschedule like if it like treat it like it's like a doctor's appointment or something and and the other thing is you have to really assign your top priority to that writing time because if you say if you start responding to people and say well no i can't do that i have to spend that time writing like if people <clears throat> well your friends say well you know come on out i know you usually go to bed at midnight but you know come on out we're having a party where you know we're going to stay up till one or one thirty you've got to say no i have to i have to leave at midnight i have to write before bed or i have to get up at five in the morning to write for half an hour before I take the train. And if... <clears throat> wow, I'm losing my voice. This is really bad. <clears throat> but if you if you assign your highest priority to that writing time, other people will start to understand that and respect it. Or maybe not understand it, but at least respect it. And they may say, oh, you can write tomorrow, you can write the day after that. And you say, yes, I'm going to write tomorrow and the day after that and today, and I have to write today. And if you kind of let life... Um, encroach on that writing time it's always going to yeah I mean for example all of my friends know that you know Monday is just off the table for me because every other week on Monday is the aforementioned writing group and the Mondays that we're not doing that he and I go out and write together which is convenient because we already have one to, you know since it's right. the same day <laughs> it, it, you know, this it's is, just every Monday yeah exactly so like that that's how you you say oh like how do you schedule something like that it's like well you know we're sort of basically monday pulls double duty 
and it doesn't matter which Monday it is. People know that you know. Okay, you know, you're busy on Monday nights doing writing stuff, and to them it doesn't matter which of the things you're doing. Right. Exactly. Uh, do we have more questions? We got one over there. We have one over there. I can't see because Kit's in the way. That's okay. And I was at the writer's block panel on Thursday, and somebody brought up the uh, issue of character development. And he talked about how developing like a biography, a personality of a character, and I recommended um, what I do with my writing is I do like a character reference, like the written version of it, which is like name, age, orientation, if it means anything, their background, their personality, etc. And I was wondering, how do you guys like characterize your characters for your stories and whatnot? I mean, that's that's certainly a a valid approach. As uh, Kyle is very fond of saying, any creative process that you know works for you is a valid creative process. Um, it's true. It is. I am um, fond of saying that. I mean, I, I I personally don't tend to write out like an actual character profile uh, when I come with them. I sort of learn their personality through writing them, and then when I go back and editing, I I go about making them consistent. But I do keep you know, their personality and their history in mind, even if, and actually especially if, it's not going to go into the story. If you're writing a story about, you know, a character who is, you know, has just started dating someone and you want to sort of explore the early stages of their relationship, you don't necessarily have to tell the reader what they, what this character went through, like, back in college. But if you have that in your head of, like, you know, what sort of background they come from, that certainly helps, you know, to at least have the character come across more authentic in the page without having to give the reader what is commonly referred to as like the info dump. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you know that and if writing that out and having that as a reference that's written down somewhere physical where you can read it, if that helps you, then, you know, absolutely do that. Um, one, One of the sort of cautions I would add to that is if you write out all this background, um, resist the urge as Cam kind of alluded to resist the urge to put everything into the story this should be just something that informs how the character acts, how the character reacts. And if there's a point at which it becomes relevant, if like some character says, you know, why do you hate clowns so much? Then it's perfectly acceptable for your character to say, well, you know, a clown killed my father. (laughs) Generally, that information should be just for your, um, for your benefit. Um, I have done a lot of different things with characters in the time I've been writing. Uh, I, a lot of the times I do it sort of Cam's way where I have an idea of a, of a main character because that's sort of the core of the story. So I know that the main character in uh, science fiction, for example, is someone who's just kind of enjoying life and doesn't take really anything too seriously and what he kind of has to learn over the course of the book is that he has to take some things seriously. And so that gives me a start. That's like the, the defining characteristic of the character for that perp- for the purpose of the story. Um, what I've done with other stories is sometimes work... I haven't done it so much actually with furry characters, which is kind of weird, but with when I was writing the book with some human characters, um, I would just go out into the media and kind of look at pictures, and I would find pictures that looked like my vision of the characters and kind of put them away into a file... And because that a lot of that was happening, because I, I was writing it during the fall, so a lot of it was in football season. So a lot of the characters in my one book in my head look like football coaches, which is <laughs> kind of entertaining, actually. But um, if you have a visual picture of this character looks like this, 
it uh, it actually really helps you um, think of what that character's like because we're we're very visually oriented. So then, because one of the characters in the book is a furry, I had to get somebody to draw a picture of him. So now I have his picture up, and then I have the other pictures around him, and um, it's this weird little like weird little world in my head. But um, so having having something visual to, to latch onto with a character is good. Um, doing the backgrounds. Another thing that I've been doing with one of the projects recently is thinking. Well, a lot of the, a lot of what I want to nail down with these characters is having different voices in dialogue. So, what characters in movies or sitcoms or dramas or, you know, whatever else? What characters do these resemble? So, and then I always kind of have in my head, well, he's kind of like um, Jack from Will and Grace, only not quite as flamboyant, you know, or something like that. And if you have if you have kind of a shortcut like that, then that helps you to keep him consistent to those lines or keep her consistent, you know, because we write both genders yeah. of characters. Actually, and on that note, a little trick that might actually be helpful. Um, at my old job, I used to uh, direct voice recording a lot. Even though, like, you have all of these characters that have, like, a really intricate, you know, background through the story and whatnot, when you have, you know, several dozen actors auditioning for a role, you can't give them, like, 50 pages of character concept and, you know, backstory to, to work with. So one of the shortcuts we would often use uh, to give the, you know, the prospective actors a good mental image was we would come up with... Uh, one or two either actors or characters from like books or films that most people would be familiar with to help give them a thing. So, for example, it's like, okay, like he's sort of like quiet and reserved, like Haley Joel Osment's character in The Sixth Sense, or you know, he's like you know, dashing and 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 brave with like sort of like a you know, sly streak like Han Solo. And if that helps, sorry, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> That was that was probably an actual thing I was doing, but anyway. But like, if, if that helps you keep like, okay, like you know, how would my character react in this situation? If you have another character to sort of reflect onto, that's very helpful sometimes. Yeah, um, and also, I mean, simply because I don't do it for furry characters as much doesn't mean that um, that you can't. Because certainly, you've, you've got any number of artists in the fandom who would be willing to draw characters for you and i know a lot of people have done that where they say well i'm working on this book so i had the artist draw the characters so that i have something to keep in mind as i'm as i'm working on it and another thing that that helps with is if you've got sort of distinct physical details that helps you sort of if if every time you're describing him you're like oh and you know his his ear oh yeah his ear has that notch in it you'll always remember that if you have a picture of it right there so it helps keep it helps make the description kind of more solid and more consistent. Yeah. It's sort of. Um, oh, sorry. No, I was I was going to say something about also remembering you know to describe what kind of clothes the characters are wearing because if you're um, if you hand off a manuscript to an artist they're going to ask you all kinds of things about clothes and eye color and stuff like that. You're like uh, normal. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, another thing to sort of back up the idea that um, visual images really fed into the creative process you know i've lost track of how many times i've run into you know people posting stories online that say like oh i was you know i saw this picture on fa or if you're really old school i saw this picture on vcl uh and like you know like i saw this picture on a bbs yeah oh (laughs) alt dot binaries dot 
rescue rangers alt dot fan dot furry yeah but uh and just was like oh like you know like i just saw this picture i was inspired to write this story and you know there's like that just alone right there just goes to show how much you know that is linked to how your brain will come up with things yeah so i hope that helps cool oh spider fulf spider fulf (laughs) that's that's uh actually uh two consecutive live shows where we've had a spider hybrid reference yes We've we've gone so we've gone spy ox and added one more animal to the mix. I heard the story about the spy ox. Um, I'm voice <laughs> from the voice of reason from the perpetually missing unfurled. Um, I was actually asked this during a writing meet fr- by Roland. Um, do you think that the second person point of view is good for horror? Second person, like you, um, like I, point I of view. I think it can be very effective. I've read a couple um, horror stories that used that point of view to um, varying degrees of effect. I think it has to be a very particular kind of horror story in, or- in order for it to work. The kind where – so a lot of the problems with, that people have with the second person is that if it's, if it's written as kind of imperatives like you – do this and then you do this people kind of feel a little bit of a distance from it and they say well but i wouldn't do that like you hear a strange noise from the basement you go open the door you're like i wouldn't go open the door i would i would i would you know call my uncle who has a shotgun and i'd get the hell out of there (laughs) um but uh the way that hooray (laughs) yay Hooray for unsheathed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you beat me to the sidebar reference. Yay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wow. I I don't know. This is the the best pop culture year ever. Yes. Um, (laughs) I will say sort of along similar lines, I find that second person voice in general works better for vignettes than for full stories. Would you agree with that? I think to sort of to to convey an image to the reader, it's it's a lot harder because when I think of full fledged stories that are told in the second person, the first and only thing that comes to mind is choose your own adventure books, which 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 you know Kyle was saying, oh, it, like sort of these imperatives that rob you of the choice. Well, choose your own adventure books get around that in a very obvious way. Yeah, I think. Um, Everyone well, the their one the the one the one that I read that was pretty effective was called um and, and uh, i'm gonna not remember the name but it was kind of based around uh like i talked about i think i've talked on the podcast about Lori moore and the how to oh yeah how to uh mm-hmm. self-help is the yes. name of the book my favorite uh second person book is by laurie moore l-o-r-r-i-e um it's called self-help and it contains a bunch of stories but what she does with the second person is she makes it like some of the stories are called how to how to be the other how to be an other woman how to be a writer um which is a fabulous story and you guys should go look it up online um the horror story that i read was very much in that vein and it was you know if you want to find out if there's a demon in your house do this do this you know walk along this rug do this um and it got down to sort of specifics of the story but it was more written as a sort of as instructional um I think where I think if it's going to be effective, it has to be general enough that there's really no opportunity for 
too much choice in the story, where it's more just a series of things that happen. But um, but honestly, I'm not sure it's that much more effective than um, first or third person. Third person. This is this is. There's this whole kind of literary concept of how you know, third person is, third person past has kind of become the default way in which we take in stories, and it becomes for us the equivalent of living through a story in the present tense because we've been conditioned over all the stories that we've read to read a story in third person past tense as, you know, this is a story that is happening, and just because someone's describing it to us as having happened, um, we do that shortcut in our head because that's how we've read all of our books because that's the most common one to read. Um, first person didn't become real popular till, or it didn't become even common at all until like 1800s. Yeah. Uh, tube knows. It's like, I know that there was, in Japan, the whole first person thing became its own whole movement. Like it was this big cultural revolution. It's like, oh my God, you wrote a story from the point of view of I. This is amazing. And it just blew the minds of everyone. What was the time period? Right, right, right. And he, he, it was because of travelogues and the age of exploration and all that, and people would be like, you know, I went into the bush and I found this amazing creature that was the size of an automobile and had a big horn on the end of its nose. And because yeah. um, you didn't have, you know, TV or internet, and then you it got to rely by a rhinoceros. Yeah. It was like, you know, it was like delayed anecdotes. <laughs> yeah, like here's this cool thing that I came across, which you know was in, you know. You know, the deep Congo, which you will never go to, but I will tell you through the written word instead of talking to you in your parlor with a you know brandy snifter. Yes, and a velvet smoking jacket. Yes. Um, so anyway, the the point being, most of the time these days, second person is viewed as kind of really experimental, kind of gimmicky, and in order to pull it off, you have to... Uh, the other... Okay. I'm gonna. I have a whole lot to say about second person. I know. I'm surprised actually. Um, The uh, I was like, "Lawl, choose your own adventure," and you're just talking. (laughs) There's a there there's a there's a little secret about second person, and you have a lot to say. I you yes. (laughs) You have a lot to listen to. You have a lot to listen to, and you're going to sit there and hear it. Um, (laughs) The uh, the the little secret to second person is is that um, most second-person stories are actually first-person stories told to someone. So, it, or not first-person, but the stories with a narrator. So there is a voice behind the second person. And if you're going to write a... Um, it's okay. If you're going to write a real effective second-person story, I think one of the things that really helps with it is to have an idea of who the person is that is telling the story because in a third person past we kind of assume this whole like well this story has happened and you don't really think about who's telling it to you and you can include that you know if you want to do kind of a frame like you know the joseph conrad heart of darkness is this whole story that's being told um to people sitting out on a a deck or it can just be you know this is something that happened um with second person, I think it's most effective when you have an idea that there is someone back here sitting here saying, you know, you do this, and then you do this, and you do this, and isn't that stupid? Because then it becomes a lot less about um, the reader feeling like they do this, and more like they're kind of listening in on somebody telling something else. Um, so if you can kind of work that you know, high-level narrative voice into the 
second person, then I think you can have something real effective. Also, and this might sound a little silly, but it is worth pointing out. Please, some silliness would be really welcome in after a, in all that. In addition to choose your own adventure <laughs> books, there is one other form of entertainment reading media that takes place in second-person voice, and that tends to be like TSing or oh. you know, flagrant you online euphoria. I what? thought you were going to go with the uh, um, video games, uh, well, Infocom games, and well, stuff like oh, that. there's those, but no, like those are. Kind if you of think about it, when, when you are, if you are doing an online sex scene with another person, you are framing it in the second person, and you are telling it from the point of view of another character, presumably either you or whatever sexy beast you have decided to portray that day. Oh. And I'm, well, uh, no, you're not, you're not. You're not writing. I mean, unless you're unless you're doing some kind of mind control thing, you're not writing. You know, you do this. No, you clearly don't read my sex logs. <laughs> <laughs> and for good reason, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> drink from the bucket. Um, it isn't. It, it, I would. I would argue that that's not second person. I, I kind of see where you're going with it, but it's more. Um, it's a specific form of second person. It's a. Well, but it's. It's more of a third person because you're saying this character takes this action. No, you're not saying. Yes, but unless it is, you're but one it of those prob- people who well, has that in the description, who's like, you know, your eyes travel down his form. You cannot look away. Oh, um, yeah, we call that's, we, we, yeah, that's second we, person. We call, we call that desk rape. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, like that's an actual thing. Like when you guys like, it's like you find yourself staring at his crotch. It's like, no, I don't. <laughs> yes, you do. I do look away. <laughs> I don't find him attractive at all. Don't tell me what I feel. Right, but. My my point is that would be second person, right? Whereas, okay. Like, and I, I think some people do or might include that in a TS session, or they're like, yeah, they're doing it wrong. So and so does this as you do this to them, and then as you do this, <laughs> they do this, and all in kind of one pose to try to take control <laughs> of stuff. But I think you know that scritchy wolf climbs up in your back, and oh, you like that, don't you, little fox? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I, I've, I've never said that to anyone, I promise. <laughs> Online or in person. Or in a love letter. You're, you're turning on Kit. Stop it. <laughs> Bucket? Um. I think, uh, I think anyway, we've, we've thank, you for the, thank you for the chance to um, be kind of over-geeky and... Um, what's the word? Yeah, boring? Oh. No. <laughs> Over pompously didactic about Arid- oh didactic person. yes that's a good one. <laughs> uh, please, someone else ask a question. Yes. Oh, <laughs> we have we have a, we have a we have a we have a we have a sparf droll over here. Yes. <laughs> that was that was it was spraff, spraff, spraff or sparf droll. Yes. So hi, you know I'm sparf. Um, hi, sparf. Yay. Yay. Sparf, Sparf makes awesome cookies, okay. by the way. So, uh, and you, I, guys I, should all, you guys should all go out there and start a cool podcast so that he'll give you cookies one day. Okay, so I have to ask, and I'm going to do it in front of everyone to embarrass you. 
I, I was I was I was in these guys' room and I saw that you know the, the cookies that you made, which were delicious by the way. But I noticed that oh, on the label for the cookies no. it says Kit and Kyle and then parentheses Hirosaki question mark parentheses. <laughs> I'm like, wait, like are these conditional cookies? Do I only get them if I like earn them? What? They're past they're I wasn't past sure if you would cookies. want them. I didn't know if you had allergies, but I knew that these two oh, didn't you didn't know I if I would eat chocolate and baked goods? Come on. <laughs> Look at me. He did he did say he was worried. He did say he was worried because there was no fish in the cookies, and he knows how you like your salmon punch. I, you just made me pick your seafood cookies, and now I don't want to eat. Them. <laughs> he, did, Although, he did say he did say he was going to try to make some uh, chocolate crab cookies for oh, you. Oh no, no, no! Actually, fried squid biscuits are delicious. Cario, back me up. You've you've never. Oh God. You, oh, all right. Wow. You left him hanging. I have to give you a cultural education after this, Mister. All right. I believe I believe Sparf, Sparf had a question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Somewhere in my brain. Um, I broke Sparf. <laughs> in 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 my writing, um, I often come up with it, this is this is you know the strangest thing to have trouble with. I think. <laughs> oh, I think if you get it any closer, you're gonna have to marry him. <laughs> is that? Um. <laughs> this is for my friend Dusk. Team Breaking Wolves, go. Um, coming up with titles is the toughest thing that I ever have to do when I have once I have the story written because I've, I will sit and I've gone through three or four titles on a story and I'll look at them and I'll be like, yeah, that sounds like a fifth grader wrote that title. Um, that's a pretty stupid sounding title. And I'm not Faulkner, so I can't go and just like lift Shakespeare and be pretentious. Well, I could be pretentious. I'm often pretentious, but I can't go and steal. I can't be like the, the Sound and the Fury or the the outdamned spot or the, you know, <laughs> bleeding piece of earth. Just a lot of blood in there. So do you have anything that you do if you have trouble coming up with a title that you, like, any any sort of exercise for that sort of block, I guess, that you might do that would help loosen up the... I steal from lines of poetry and song lyrics. Um, yeah, I... No. (laughs) What? That's valid. No, 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 it is, but... uh, Mike back there said that explains a lot. <laughs> um, at least that's what I heard, so that's what I'm going with. That's officially on the record now. Um, Boo! <laughs> the, oh, um, emo tear. The, uh, the one one of the exercises. There you are. One of the exercises that uh, <laughs> that uh, that I've used in the past is um, thinking about what the story is about. Like, what are the words that the story makes me think of? And just kind of free associate, write for, like, ten minutes and just say, well, the story's about, you know, loyalty, duty, passion, relationships, friendships, um, military, army, uniforms, whatever. And kind of, and then kind of go off those words and just sort of say, what's, what are things that are associated with that? And, you know... Try to see if there's if there's any phrases that jump out at you from there. If not, um, go to like Bartlett's.com online and do some quotation searches around those words and just see what other people put together and maybe lift one of those phrases or just um, and if you lift one of the phrases, cite it. Um, like you can. What's real classy is you can put it as like the 
opening quote to the book or something. And, you know, just look at what other people have done. Uh, the title story is uh, – and, and ask friends because a lot of times your friends will have great ideas for titles. Um, Isolation Play did not have a title until um, a month and a half before it went to press. <laughs> um, it was out of position two for the longest time. And that was not, of course, going to be the final title. Um, then it was going to be, um, what was the interim title? It was something like Power Play, but it, but it wasn't that because I knew that's more of a hockey term, although it is also a football term. And it actually, the interim title has completely vanished from my head. I have no oh, idea. No, I, I'm, I'm just on the tip of my brain. Uh-huh. And, but I don't remember. But when I But I was just kind of like, searching through football terms and I would go to Wikipedia and be like football plays because I knew I wanted to name it in that kind of theme and I saw the the term isolation play and I was like oh I can do that wasn't it double coverage might have might have been double coverage or something like that but anyway it's just gone it wasn't as good a title it didn't click and isolation play clicked when I heard it and I was like oh that's the title Um, and you know sometimes you're just not going to get that click until really, really late. Sometimes uh, I've had stories where the title was the first thing I, I started with. Like I had this idea for a story, and I was like, oh, I know this is the title, uh, Pendant of Fortune. That that title was one of the first things I had about yeah. that story. Summerhill started with the title. Um, that's sort of a cheat because that's the name of the main character. Well, no, but... <laughs> But how many? No, but <laughs> realistically, there are very few works that are just simply the name of the main character. So I mean, that's not a total cheat. And wh- wait, why are things happening without me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, you, you, guys are, you guys are missing there's, out. There's art um, happening again. There's art happening. What? No, no, exactly. And I was going to say Romeo and Juliet, King Lear. Like, like without aside from Shakespeare plays, it's hard Aww. to. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> Shut up. I don't need you. My very first book. All right, fine. This is technically my very first book. If you don't count the other ones I actually wrote, um, <laughs> which are not named oh. after their main characters. No, I know. Um, and actually, I'm not super happy with Vol as a title, especially since it's a really hard name to pronounce, and people. People, I, I've had notes for people who are like, so do you pronounce the E at the end of the character's name? And I kind of jokingly wrote back and said, haha, now I know you haven't read the foreword because the foreword tells you how to pronounce the name. And he's like, no, I read the foreword. And the foreword says the name is pronounced to rhyme with wall. And he was like, okay, well, so I know how to pronounce the first half, but how do you pronounce, do you pronounce the E? And I'm like, well... Y- when you, you don't know what rhyming means. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, when, when, you, when you pronounce W-A-L-L, do you pronounce it Wally? I mean... No, I, uh, I, I love your story about how, ironically enough, it's people who speak French who get the name wrong most of the time because they assume, oh, an American wrote this and they don't know how to pronounce French, French right. Yes. So it must be Volet. Volet, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that was a great laugh, whoever that was. <laughs> yes. Congratulations. It wasn't Zia. We can see him. Yeah, no, he, his, 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 he's, he's all tight-lipped and serious. He's, I know. He has Tessera's Corgi. Serious Corgi is serious. You've, 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 been, you've been Corgiing, I know. 
So many things, so short limbs. Anyway. Uh, but no, actually, um, I mentioned song lyrics earlier, and um, my most recent online story is called Let's Play Musical Chairs, um, which, for people who happen to know, that's the opening um, lyric to a song by Dead Mouse, um, which is funny because the, the original title... I had for the same story was called Silly Heartbreaker, which is actually from a J-Lo song. So I just took like a different kind of like dancey club song and just picked a different lyric that I thought fit better. Um, but since it's such a short, generic phrase, it doesn't immediately leap out like, oh, this is from a song, but it still sort of thematically fits. Uh, so you can get away with that. Um, also, um, I tend to find that the more serious a story gets, the more abstract my titles get and i don't know why that is mm. but uh I, I don't know i would i would also say in the course of your regular everyday life when you're not trying hard to come up with a title you may run across turns of phrase um or you may see turns of phrase like in news headlines or something and you think that phrase sounds really cool um write it down and just keep like keep a list somewhere of um these are you know possible titles or you know you might you might see something and and you could change a word and keep the nice uh resonance of the phrase but make it more fit into your story um but keep that little bank of titles and then sometimes if you're stuck for if you want to write something but you're stuck for ideas you can go to those titles and say which one of these would be a cool story someone in the back had his hand up are you coming up or just having a comment okay uh, we have time for this, and then depending on how long we sort of go on and on and on at this question, we might have time for one more after. Oh. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm taking a picture of that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I will tweet this is, it. Um, we, we have been, we've been given art, and... Uh, <laughs> It is. It is. I has a art. Kim Kim Hirosaki, looking very silly, <laughs> with a bucket on his head, saying, "I has a bucket." <laughs> and I ha- and I have this. By the way, if you haven't seen the bucket, the bucket does have a shovel. Yes. <laughs> and I'm currently covered in wine. And, that, uh, and I'm and I'm looking serious in the background, going tisk tisk. That was done by someone who's sitting next to me, actually. Oh, I see. Back that there. was. That's uh, yes. I see the name is is Dorn. Oh, is that is that your is that the F A name also? Yep. F A uh, slash D O R N. So check his stuff out. It's very cute, and um, we will send him a scan of this so that he may post it. Kyle, by now you must feel like I'm stalking you. I've talked to you more in the last two days than I have in the last two years. So you're you're at a convention <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm happy to talk to people. It's okay. Uh, my question is. Obviously done lots of right. Can I help you? (laughs) (laughs) You've done microphone. Panther is very aggressive with his microphone, (laughs) but it's, but it's. um, (laughs) My question is: since you've done lots of writing, have you ever found your characters kind of come to life in your head? Each one has its own set personality, all apart from each other. They all go on their own little things. I'm wearing a con badge for one of my characters. Yeah, uh, I about actually, it was drawn by Idis, who's sitting right there in the second row. Hi, Idis. Yeah, Idis. <laughs> I'm a major RPer, so I now have about 20 live characters all up here in my head, um, little living there. Well, I will. I, I will say yes. Short answer: yes. Um, but um, 
what happened actually with the with Out of Position and then that whole series of books is I had initially written this short story, which I think in between is like 1,500 words, something like that. Um, Cam is all distracted and he's not confirming. <laughs> I'm listening. He's paying no attention to my attempt to include him in this rambling in between, monologue. Yeah, words, I'm hearing it. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go drink from your bucket. And, it's uh, empty. I can't. Uh, and I don't have a corkscrew to open the spark wine. Spark well, also we, brought me wine, and I can't have, forget. Have we not? Have we not learned to come to unsheathed with corkscrews yet? I told Tyrion to bring one, and he didn't. Oh! oh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, can't get a blotch. They don't just draw you pretty art; they also give your podcasting host wide opening utensils. I was I was I was going to say give your podcast and host a nice screw, but that <laughs> I'm surprised oh, you oh. missed that one. They're girls. It still fit. So this is Biltmore Century Red Wine, and this this was the one you said, said. This was the. Oh man! <laughs> I am disappointed. That was Kit. No, he made me say it. No, no, I am disappointed. Oh, yes. Yeah, missed I missed a golden opportunity, which was also a title for a story I wrote. I was going to say, that's what she said. <laughs> but that's even worse. Y- yes, um, it is. You should be ashamed of yourself. I am, believe me. Um, I will answer the question while you are opening the wine. Um, so that, uh, uh, because... This is going to end in tragedy. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm morbidly curious to see what happens here. Um, so characters come to life. Yes, characters come to life. Um, what happened with the out of position was I'd written in between, which was a very short story, and the characters had become very so real to me that I felt that I was really interested in seeing where their stories were going to go from there on. Um, that that applause was for the otter opening the wine bottle. I don't need to write stories. I mean, I can just open wine in front of people and pour it into buckets, and I'll be famous. <laughs> Sadly, probably true. Ooh, that um, smells really good, actually. So, so please describe this wine for us, and then I'll go on with my uh, boring story. Uh, so, this is the Sparf Given Biltmore Century Red Wine. Ooh. Fourteen point two percent alcohol by volume. Is the image on the front? Is that the uh, North Carolina Biltmore State? Oh, uh, Spar says yes, for those of you who didn't get that in the microphone. Uh, Italian-style fruity red wine, pleasure to enjoy with food or by the glass, or apparently by the bucket. (laughs) 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 Ha-ha, they did not anticipate me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think Sparf got more pleasure out of this bottle of wine than I will. (laughs) There's still time. There's all the time in the world as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> what were um, we talking about? <laughs> oh, right. Characters anyway, came to life. the point is the characters came to life and I wanted to write more stories about them. And, you know, end of my story. What about you? Uh, actually, so I mentioned the con badge that uh, got to from my character here, Raylan, who some of you might be familiar with. He's a ringtail. Which long-time listeners of the podcast will know I'm quite fond of, but uh, yes, also known as Cacamissile. Yes, not, not lemur. No, he's not. Oh, he he. The baby Jesus cries if you call him a lemur. <laughs> which, if any of you follow him on Twitter, so, which I, I guess so, that's a sign that a so, character has come to life when he has his own Twitter account. So basically, never call the baby Jesus a lemur. Is the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, 
pronoun trouble. <laughs> um, but no, so actually, this was a this was originally just going to be a role play character, and I realized that as I was creating his backstory that he was very interesting so i'm like oh, okay i'll i'll write a story about him and then i realized oh he has all these complex psychological issues that cannot be covered in one story and uh relating to your question earlier about uh you know how much do you go into when doing a character profile and when we cautioned about trying to dump all of your character profile into one story uh there's a lot going on with this character that uh has not come up in the one and a half stories I've written about him. There's uh, one that's online, which is the aforementioned Let's Play Musical Chairs, uh, and another one that I started writing and have to stop because I have a novel to finish and people are yelling at me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, this is this is a character that I already know I'm going to be writing about for a long time because just the the way he came into my head has just been really distinct and... He's he, he's very alive within my imagination, and he, he's also kind of a pushy bitch. So he like he's like making me write about him in a way. So fully formed like Athena from the mind of Zeus. Yes, only like sexier because he has a big long banded tail. Right, which you know, um, yeah, that's a whole I'm, other. I'm, yeah, um, Greek mythology would have been a lot more interesting if they'd borrowed different things from the Egyptians. Um, Kind of related to the the animal people. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, I got it. You looked you looked puzzled for a moment there. Um, <laughs> no, that was that was the face from that was the face from the panel yesterday. <laughs> oh, um, the uh, the um, oh my goodness. Oh, we have more art. The other yes, the the other thing, the other thing is we've. Um, you, you sometimes write like little short pieces about your characters if they have these backgrounds um, I, and I have and I forgot to mention this earlier but I have written like small um, we're getting artwork passed Answer around I, yes we, you, you write kind of like small scenes or small stories that you don't ever intend to be published but it just gives you a feel for how the character reacts in certain situations or in certain conflicts or what happened to them at certain points in the background and so um, a lot of that really helps the characters become more alive and makes you think of them as more of a well-rounded person instead of just someone reacting to the plot. Yeah, uh, actually, twice for longer works, I have interviewed my characters, where I've just pulled out a notebook and come up with questions, and then wrote my responses as best I could from that character's own voice. And this was because these two particular characters had been giving me a lot of trouble because they weren't staying consistent. And this was my way of sort of forcing them to be more like real, fleshed out people. And why are you giving me that look? <laughs> keep finishing, keep finishing I'm, the answer. All right. But, and after I did this, I stopped having the particular problems with these characters. Uh, I don't do that with all of my characters or even most of them. But, uh, I mean, that was one of those instances where. I could tell, in retrospect, I, I see that the problem was is that I hadn't finished thinking through what made them tick, and this was an exercise that forced me to go the rest of the way. Right. Yeah, and that's, that's something that is just really valuable to do, is if, because if you don't really understand your character, you're not going to be able to um, figure out how they react all the way through the story, and you're not going to understand what the changes in the story mean to them. We finished. May we see the artwork now, Mr. Silver? Oh, I like that. 
I look so derpy. Actually, (laughs) actually, I think think Kit looks derpier, but like in a good way. (laughs) I love his shirt. He has a great shirt. Yes, very cool. Thank you. This is from Madero again. He has taken on the the role of podcast artist since Xavian cannot be here. Well, we should tell like, hey Xavian, when you're not here, we get more art. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm sorry, Xavier. I didn't mean it. Come back. We miss. We miss. We miss him. We we would like. We he's been a fixture of rain for us, and so it doesn't feel quite right. I know. It's like our. This is like our, our inaugural podcast. I know, and we're now in like a big room with lecture benches and and uh, and people who know who we are and people who know who we are. Yeah. So this is a good time to ask how many how many people in the audience had uh, had heard an episode of our podcast before. Wow. wow! Yeah. Wow! That just goes to show that Rainforest really is the place for us. We weren't kidding when we said you were our favorite. You are. This is your second birthday or third? Third. This is our second birthday, technically. Well, yeah. It is our it is our third live Rainforest podcast. Because on the day you're born, that's not a birthday. That's your zeroth birthday. Well, so, but definition, it, it is your birthday. However, well, but your first birthday is when you're one year old. As so we're to, now two years old because this is our third rain first. As opposed to your unbirthday, which is apparently when unbirthing happens, and I don't want to think about that. <laughs> really? I just really? I, I just ruined Alice in Wonderland for you. <laughs> I hate you. I'm, You're welcome. I'm I'm gonna, I'm not going to wait for Kit to edit that out. I'm going to edit that out of my memory right now. <laughs> um, one more. Kit says yeah. we can do one more question. So who has the most awesome question in the room? Okay, yeah. If everybody else has questions, come on up, and the first person to have a really awesome question, we'll answer it. Just come on up, and we'll do we'll do our we'll do our lightning round with these questions. questions? Yeah, lightning round. Um, What's kind of your creative writing process? Oh, I no. um, All right, I can do this. I pull an idea from one of the many ideas that is pinballing around in my head. I, you know, bang it around on the paper. If it sucks, I stop. If it doesn't, I keep going. And then once I read it the first time, I figure out what I was trying to say the first time, go back and change it until it makes sense. Done. I write every day until the draft is finished. I let it sit. I go back and edit it. I send it to my, I send it off to my beta readers. I incorporate their feedback, and then I finish the story. I'm kind of wondering what your guilty pleasure is for novels, like something that's bad but you love reading anyway. Ooh. Lolka Hamilton. <laughs> Until Narcissus and Chains and when she started to suck. Um, I haven't enjoyed anything bad in a long time, but I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Stephen King. Even though that's not technically a guilty pleasure because he's actually pretty good, but Just a comment, I'm going to have to make a a drink now called the Bucket Cocktail. I will exp- I will have to come up with that later. Also, question for KM. Uh-huh. Wow! Did, did you flow ch- when you were doing Summerhill? Did you flowchart the 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 events because of all the time travel? Because I'm trying to write a time travel story. Um, and it's hurting my brain. I did <laughs> not because, despite the fact that there is time travel involved, the narrative itself is surprisingly linear. So there you go. Okay. Next. All right. Um, if you have an idea of the personality of your character, but you're not sure what species they should be, how do you come up with the species for your character? Uh, it's like darts. Uh, throw some pieces at it until you find one that sticks. I was going to say that. Try, them until, try yeah. it until one feels good. <laughs> That's what she That's said. That's what she said. There you go. Talk. 
Um, I was just wondering if you have any advice for, you know, like avoiding really corny dialogue, because I want to know the difference between, you know, dear Lord, what is that thing? And, uh, by Vectron, we must kill it. (laughs) Advice for avoiding corny dialogue. Don't write corny dialogue. (laughs) Um, read it out loud. If you can't say it with a straight face, rewrite it until you can. So this is a very important question for KM. Is that a bucket of truth? <laughs> it is now, apparently. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you all. Uh, we're going to do a little more. Uh, what else did we want to? Is that it? No, it's it. Okay. All right. Um, we want to, again, thank all you guys for coming out to spend your Saturday nights with us. Um, we uh, want to especially thank those creative and talented people who contributed artwork to the podcast um maduro with the badges and the artwork here dorn with the artwork um sparf for the bottle one bottle of wine and running cat for the other bottle of wine Tyrion for the coke zeros um Kenket for the corkscrew Kenket for the corkscrew um furry omnibus for the hats come up you're, um, you're showing something in the background come up and um our audience mike panther um and uh, <laughs> uh, Dave Yote for another piece of art with KM as the um, skeptical Star Wars reference otter with the bucket. And yes. and, I am blushing. And blushing. That's true. Um, I also want to again thank everyone who came out here on a Saturday night at a furry convention to not drink while watching me drink in front of you. <laughs> that must take um, a lot of intestinal fortitude for most of you. And um, and especially again the staff at Rain First who not only encourage us to come up here and do this podcast but also switch rooms when the original room that they'd put us in was a little bit small. Um, they gave us this slightly larger one which is not next to the dance. Um, They have been just really, really uh, enthusiastic and encouraging about uh, all the stuff that we want to do. Like they said, come up and help the writing track. And we were like, we've got all these ideas. And they were like, great, do them all. Um, And so they've been really, really awesome. We've enjoyed working with them. Any con con that personally asked me to come back to drink wine in front of a microphone is a good con in my book. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. And we look forward to this kicking off another year of um, great live performances of Unsheathed. This is always sort of the beginning of our Unsheathed year. Um, For people listening at home, write us emails at unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com. Follow me as uh, Kyle Gold on Twitter. Um, Kyle Gold on Live Journal, Kyle on FA, K Y E L L. And I am KM Harasaki on everything. If you don't find me, I'm not there. Um, <laughs> and uh, once again, thank you, everybody, and keep writing every day. 